Welcome back, everybody, to Rain on Your Parade with Jay Ocovan. I am Jay Ocovan, and with me, as always, reluctant though he may be, is my producer, <laughs> Mike. Hello, Mike. Hi, Jay. <laughs> now, guys, not to give you a peek behind the per- curtain, but I have to <laughs> rush this episode because Mike has more important podcasters to get to. So um, if I don't give you my, I'm giving you my best this episode, but it might be a, a truncated best. This is just a real test for you. So if we're really if we're pulling it up and we're showing the audience, we have 45 minutes to do uh, a, a great episode of the show. Yes. And if if you are the professional that I believe that you could be. We're on the clock. Could be. Let's fucking do it. The professional I could be. So, OK, so, yes, it's amateur hour with JL Covey. It's not. It's not. Jeez. It's not. I'm just putting where you're being tested today. Let's do it. All right. Let's rock and roll and roll. Um, guys. First thing is, I need to instruct Mike. We're doing a couple of these episodes in advance because I'll be touring the country. That's right, and uh, I will be gone till November. Can we get the rights to that song, please? I no. will literally be gone till November, <laughs> as far as these podcasters are concerned, these podcast listeners. But I wanted to say one something—a call back to one of our early episodes, Mike. Um, I, I don't apologize. I made my—I don't apologize <laughs> for what I've done, um, but. The SAG episode and yeah. the Wigga episode, because now the Wiggas and, and Matt Reif, we haven't mentioned him in a while. Mm. Um, enemy, Wig- enemy of the show. The Wiggas, uh, <laughs> the Wiggas are, are, are they, made, they made a great deal. Yeah. Now, I don't apologize for the things I said. I know some people didn't like the way I spoke, but I, you know, it's hard to convey what I was saying, which is like, I agree with the strikers, but there's something wrong with this country simultaneously. And it's easier to like mock actors and stuff. But I, but at the core was an agreement of like, get your money, make bargain. That's what your union's for. Yeah. It was more of an indictment of America and, and what we do to labor in this country and how we demean labor. But it was taken, I think maybe I was a little strident to make my point and a little humorous to make my point. But it was not to be like, actors, go fuck yourselves. Yeah, yeah. It was more, but, but you know, and there is a jaded element of being a comedian and being like, we'll never even have that. Yeah. Because our workforce are, you know, the median comedian is a piece of shit. Yeah. That's your median, median laborer in comedy. Um, but we did say something also in that episode that I, you know, that actors and writers were like, and maybe we will spur more labor activity. And we both poo-pooed that. And, and I, oh, I remember I, yeah. and I, I did it first. I was because there was a cynical, like, yeah, no, we're not going to do this, but you know what they did. There's been a lot yep. of fucking big labor movement going on in this country. Some of it might've come about organically, but it is creating a, an atmosphere. But I think this was also the thing labor. that we said about it. That was funny that like, like, cause I had a feeling that there was, I don't know that it's like necessarily the actors sparking it, but. I do remember thinking like, it's just so funny that they're the first ones in. They're the first ones actually striking about AI and all these things, which are huge problems and things that we have to like handle right now. But there was a palpable humor to the fact that it was just like, oh, we're fuck, we're actors, rah, 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 pay us. You know, they do deserve to be paid fairly. Obviously, we were for the strike. Like Rosie the Riveter, but taking a selfie of herself. Right. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But it would have been like, it would have been more, I think that if, if like the auto workers had, had gone on strike first, then you're in a situation where like, all right, then all the rest of the unions follow. This makes sense that that's the first union to go. It's just so funny that it was like the writers of, of fantasy and, and actors that sparked this whole thing. And so 
I think it's been impressive to see, you know, I have a friend who, who I worked with um, who complains a lot. He saw like UPS drivers before yeah. the strike. Got a great deal. Yeah. Up, oh, we have our national alert. This was, uh, you're good. Well, you don't have an iPhone, so maybe you're not getting it. <laughs> Bear with us for a it's second. It's an Amber <laughs> Alert. I'm not getting it. I guess it's because I kidnapped the woman. No, it's a test of the national emergency system. I knew this was going to happen. I didn't realize it was going to. There's like, it doesn't matter if your phone's on silent or anything. Sorry. That was probably annoying, listeners. Yeah. No, well, you know, it's just my show. I'm sure it won't happen at three o'clock. I, oh, it won't happen at three o'clock because it happened at 218. There's yours. <laughs> we'll decide in the, in the editing wow, room if this comes out at, or not. <laughs> look at me. Look at me. The Android. 30 <laughs> second delay. That's what happens. <laughs> Too cheap to join the rest of us. <laughs> not a sheeple. Not a member of the sheeple. Um, so the UP, he was like, look, at I, he, we were talking about getting a new job. And he was like, maybe I should just go to UPS. But he said it like dismissively, like they don't make that. And I go, maybe other people should be making more money. But you know what? UPS, they didn't even have to strike. Yeah. They just, they came to the table and did their calculations and realized, yes, we can pay our people much more and give them a good deal because, you know, one of the benefits of an Amazon or is like, there's definitely so much more work in the delivery business. So like they're sharing those rewards and they can't, there was not, there wasn't even a strike. So if there's not even a strike, you've got to imagine, hey, pro-business Republican. I guess the business made a business decision and everybody's happy. Right. And, you know, I still think Starbucks baristas and like Amazon workers, those are, those are the, the labor like Mount Everest's because like we talked about it in that episode, Starbucks baristas, I'm like, you guys are working pretty, pretty hard. Like it's, it's no joke. Um, and I think those are the places that I'd love to see, big movements. But you know what the thing is? Starbucks and Amazon would hit people in their daily lives. And I think then you'd see that more people, you'd see even more with the actors. It's kind of like, like a cynic is like, actors who gives a shit. Yeah. But with their own lives, it'd be like, I stand with Starbucks. Wait, my coffee's $9 gross for what? For pouring, you get a lot more for pouring coffee and for Amazon, like you put my bikes, we let you live. We let you live the way you want to, you lazy piece of shit. Sure. Yeah. Like, just go to a fucking store. Like, you can cut me out completely. Right. Get your fat ass in a car. <laughs> it's not like you're going for a jog to the to the Walmart. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what, should I smoke? Was that was that smoke? Just stay in front of the mic for the love of God. Look at, look at how you're making me look if you're watching on YouTube. Look at, look at me. Very, look at me. You're very frazzled. Ugh. You better get some more pomade in that hair before the important show gets here. <laughs> anyway, um, I just wanted to say that uh, on, you know, on a real point. Yeah. It seems that they they have been, if not the leaders, they have been part of a renewed labor wave in this country. And that's a great thing. And so um, I don't apologize. We don't do apologies on this podcast, but I do acknowledge that I was definitely wrong yeah. on that point. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing to be wrong about. Um, and to quote Jerry Orbach in Dirty Dancing, I'm wrong and I say I'm wrong. Now go back and fuck my teen daughter, you <laughs> swarthy dance instructor. Um, so... The other thing, I had one other thing uh, about the union shit. Good podcasting. Anyway, guys, <laughs> thank you for being here. Um, oh, UPS though. UPS, that's a hundred. They're making like, some of them making like 170K. Dude, I've heard, I've heard UPS is like a great job. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> benefits and like all sorts of stuff, vacation, all Isn't sorts of shit. Isn't it a crazy thing though? And I get it. I'm, I'm raised by an immigrant and a blue collar high school graduate. Um, and education, you know, is everything elevated status degrees, more earning power. It's hugely important. Like neither of my parents went to college. It was like extremely important. But there is a sort of ingrained, like, what if I became a UPS driver yep. and fucking was making more money than I was making at the law firm I just got laid off from? Dude, I think about this all the time. But but how, I, how, like, I can't the waste lie. that college was. But I but I me. can't even lie. I I I can't even lie. Like there'd still be part of me that's like like shame. Not shame, but like yeah. you're it's ingrained in like all my friends are white cop. Like most of my friends are no, no, don't yeah. get me wrong. I, I'm saying I'm not saying I'd be like, oh, but, but I'd know that everybody would have like the stigma I had for it. It's like, but I'm making more money and that's what the job is for. It's, it's not, you know, it's, it's comedy is the only job I have any passion for. So it's like, well, if UPS wants to pay me 170 K and this law firm wants to pay me a hundred K, I guess I'll go work for UPS. Yeah. And it's like, that's just a good business decision. I have a feeling your life would be more balanced too. Like I, I have a feeling that the way that the UPS shakes out, like those guys aren't lawyer hours are crazy. Like 75, 80 hour weeks. Well, not the way I was doing it. That's why I'm no sure. longer a lawyer. <laughs> they wanted that. And I said, um, pass. <laughs> right. I have a podcast to do. <laughs> um, can I work remotely seven days a week and not work? <laughs> Final offer. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's just, but that's one of those things like the blue collar. We, you know, even though Jay Leno is kind of toolish sometimes, he had this thing where he was like giving away scholarships to people who wanted to like get like car mechanic training. Yeah, right. And he's like, it's a good profession. It's like, yeah. And we have, I get that why some people feel there's that resentment um, in terms of like, oh, you either, you're either aspirational and doing white collar work or you're like a, like a, like a stupid laborer. Yeah. And it's like, it, it isn't that. Obviously it can be, but it, well, the other great thing that does come out of doing like a, like we're talking about a car mechanic or something like that. A lot of times your, your business is a lot more community based, which is nice, you know, to be like the mechanic in town, like everybody just like. You know, right, goes I mean, the to UPS you. guy who fucks <laughs> people. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right? Like, hey, yeah. JL's here. <laughs> uh, could you, JL's here. Husband, could you go to the supermarket for two hours? Thank you. <laughs> Don't worry. Well, I need 15 minutes. That's just for the cuddling after. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's, you could, that's a perspective. You could look at it that way. <laughs> but it is like, it's, it's just, We've, we've gotten so far afield that like, there's that resentment for somebody. Like, I, I just found it funny when my friend seemed resentful, like using them as an example. It's like, well, maybe we're underpaid or even scarier. Maybe lawyers are overpaid. They're only yeah. paid. Well, they're only paid because they're protecting super rich people, like big firms. You're doing money for people. You're doing work for people with lots of money. You're doing a lot of work for people with lots of money. Yeah. So the market is dictating, but like I would get into this argument with people all the time when they'd say like, you think a hamburger flipper should get 15 an hour? I go, yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't know why you're saying it like that. Like that job sucks. Yeah. Like there's two things that should determine how much money you get. How much is your work worth? How much does your job suck? Right. Whereas we always treat it like, well, if I'm, 
doing legal briefs from a desk in my home uh, for a corporation, that's has a lot of value to them. Sure. Yeah, if you're flipping burgers, sweating over a fucking grill, that job sucks. Oh, yeah. Like, and so you should be compensated for doing that work. May Not like the other person, but like, and people treating like $15 an hour. Now, there's people like Nina Turner, the sort of Bernie Sanders acolyte, who's already jumping to the minimum wage should be $25 an hour. And I'm just like, yes, I'm sure studies show that. We're still at 725. The yeah. federal wage is still 725. Like you still haven't gotten anybody to fucking budge on that. Yeah. <laughs> like, which is a terrifying thought to think that if you go to like Alabama and go into a Walmart, there's a person, if they're lucky enough to get 40 hours a week, is broke. Yeah. Like they're fucking broke, even if they're working full time. It's crazy. Like there's a woman in my neighborhood. I've seen her at three different stores. I've seen her at my mall in, in uh, Wayne. Is that where Willowbrook Mall is? Do you have any idea? Anyway. Well, it's I around it's in, there. I think yeah. it's in Wayne, New Jersey. But Willowbrook Mall, I've seen her at like an ice cream shop. I've seen her at my Starbucks. And we have a very, she always asks me what I'm reading. It's very pleasant, you know, community-based sort of. But yeah. I've seen her in so many places and it dawned on me. I was like, oh, she didn't get, she ain't getting fired. She's, she's just, she's working all these jobs to, to get the money that she wants or needs. Yeah. That ain't like. That ain't easy. And it's like the idea of like, you think she should be, I don't know. She's putting a whole lot of fucking effort yeah. into this. So of course she should be paid like something reasonable and 725 yeah. or, or even 15 in like a city like New York is like not really reasonable. The issue sometimes. But actors suck. That's my only thing. Actors and writers, <laughs> you're a bunch of crybaby bitches. <laughs> no, I, I think I'm, part I'm, of the I'm, issue sometimes comes down to the fact that like, whether this is fair or not, I think a lot of times jobs are looked at as like how replaceable yeah. the the skill is. Yeah. And that's why it's kind of like, in theory, anybody can flip a hamburger or make a coffee. I'm not saying they shouldn't be paid a, a fair wage to fucking survive because living off minimum wage in this country is impossible. impossible. Yeah, yeah, it's impossible. So minimum wage is just basically like it's there so corporations don't pay people zero dollars. Right. You know what I mean? But it's, it's, it's pretty close. Seven, seven dollars Starbucks an hour. internships. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 You uh, work 11 hours a day making cappuccino and we pay you nothing. Right. Right. And it's, it's, yeah, it's, I, I remember I said to somebody, this was a while ago, this, this sort of argument online with, with a friend, but I was just like, you, what value do you place on someone getting up every day and showing up to work for an eight hour shift? What value do you place? Forget what work they do. That's the question. It's not what he, it's that what are you owed reasonably, regardless of the job? What is the minimum you are owed for getting your ass out of, out of bed? Yeah. And, and I remember Corolla used to have this kind of hypocritical gripe where it was like, you'd complain about the welfare recipients as if many welfare recipients don't have shitty jobs that don't pay enough, but you complain about them as being lazy. Okay. Well, I'm not lazy. I don't have your skills or Elon Musk's skills, but guess what I do have? The ability and, and desire to, to work 40 hours a week, get out of bed every day, put on a fucking Walmart shirt or a McDonald's tie and fucking go do a job that, that, that to, for the business to work, someone like me has to show up and do that job. When you say things like McDonald's is supposed to be a transitory job, like, like it's just something to keep... No, who made that rule up? What 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 society do you live in right now where the growing sector of jobs are service jobs? So like 
That's where the jobs are. You can't have a nation of 200 million Elon Musks right. and Steve Jobs. Yeah. You need people to do the work. And it's like, you, you have to, you can't have it both ways where it's like, you have to get up and do work. Okay. Well, I'm not, a, I'm not a particularly smart person. I'm not athletic. I don't have a sense of humor, but I'm, I can be taught a job and I'll do it and I'll show up on time. Yeah. But you know, that job isn't supposed to be one of those like jobs that you have. Yeah. It's like, well, I need to pay my rent. So I'm going to take one of those jobs that pays yeah, right. money. It's not a job job. But you know what? They yes, raise that attitude is. of like, that's for summer kids. And yes. maybe in your fucking quaint town, that was the job. Like, hey, Timmy, yeah. you got a news. Guess who delivers my fucking newspaper every day? A grown ass man <laughs> throwing them at my door at 630 in the morning. Right. And I guarantee it's not his only job. He fucking probably gets up at 4 a.m. to do that job that ends at nine yeah. and then do another job. It's not Timmy. It's yeah. not Timmy on his fucking bike going, hey, Mr. Coven, still a miserable fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you someday, kid. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, it's a grown man doing the job. Yeah, yeah. And he gets paid a certain amount of money for that job. Um, so it's just, that's that's my labor rant. But we, uh, but it's good. It's it's a good thing to see what is, what that I've been wrong, that there, there, it seems to be a, a late, a, a, a growing labor movement in this country. Now, what I do love is that Joe Biden, you know, shows up and is just like, oh, we talked about this, didn't we? Or did I talk about this with somebody else? Joe, you haven't said anything yet. So oh, Joe, know. you know, Joe, Biden, oh no, I did this on my other podcast, you know, my other super successful podcast that I have to leave for soon. <laughs> okay. Um, Joe Biden is like, Hey man, come on. I'm a labor guy. I'm not kidding. I like labor. I like working men built this country, Jack. I'm going to protest with you. I'm going to pass laws. If not for Joe Manchin, hey, man, I'm not kidding. If not for Joe Manchin, we would have made tax incentives for people to use labor unions. This is true. Joe Manchin, like, like cut out a provision in like Build Back Better or the infrastructure that would have like given tax incentives for like union work. Yeah. Donald Trump fucking hates unions. Donald Trump doesn't even pay the fucking people who work for him union or not. Oh yeah. That's right. Famously. Yeah. (laughs) He got a casino built for free, but he's (laughs) fucking out doing rallies with, by the way, guys they shipped in who aren't even union workers. Yeah. Going sleepy Joe's going to take your jobs. He's going to take your job. That's what he's saying. China going to China. They're going to China. How about that? How about that? They're going to take your jobs. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to protect your jobs. And Joe Biden's like, I'll fucking let you fuck Jill and give you a million bucks. If you, if you're in a union, I'm going to fucking murder somebody. If they try to fuck with unions in this country, I'll fucking kill anybody who hates unions. And Trump is like, I once went to it while, while everybody was striking. I actually fucked some of your wives, some of the union guys. I went to your houses and fucked your wives. I don't even think it was all consensual. I think some of them were rape. And that's what I did while you were striking for your rights. That's how much I hate unions. I hate unions. But are you going to back me? Are you racist enough to back me? Where are my Reagan Democrats who hate the blacks and the immigrants? Are you going to back me? Fuck unions. Am I right? Fuck them. And, and then in this country, it's like the unions divided over who to support. <laughs> It's like, what? (laughs) You know what I mean? You know, on one hand, there's a president who loves unions and is doing everything he can to support them and bolster them. On the other hand, a fat racist white guy. (laughs) Tough call, unions. And on that note, we'll be back.
And we're back to rain on your parade. How was that break for you, Mike? Oh, so much better now that the mic is where it's supposed to be. Well, you know, and I'm going to just lean back like fat Joe. And all of a fifth, really sixth, seventh time you said it today, maybe. Well, only only once on Mike, though. Thanks for uh, breaking that fourth wall. We we were lifting it up and showing people this in this episode, weren't we? Yeah, this is a real upskirt photo <laughs> of podcasting. Speaking of which, one of those hot chicks get here. Anyway, guys, um, another thing I wanted to talk about today. It's not necessarily it's 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 sort of a defense, I guess, of liberal cities, big cities, mm-hmm. but New York in particular, because a lot of people keep shitting on New York, and I get it. It's grimy. Um, the pandemic, I feel like people have just like we talked about last week with boosters. I feel like people are like, well, the pandemic's over. So why isn't New York city, a shining city full of people, by the way, I don't want to work in my office anymore. Fuck you, boss. (laughs) Like this, there's this, like, like I have friends who, who worked, um, that I, that I worked with who are very like New York city's dump. It's fucking done. It's horribly managed. It's like they were complaining about the rain um, flooding everything. Mm-hmm. And it was like people were like Eric Adams doesn't know what he's doing. Maybe true. But what I found interesting is like the flooding that occurred like a week ago as of this recording was unprecedented. It was like. Talk to the carpet on the floor. Yeah. I mean, still it, wet from Friday. It got four months of rain in a day. Yeah. That was literally like the stat. And I'm like. I don't know who's going to prepare you for it. Like this idea that like all the reports said it was going to be horrible rain. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, Oh my God, did you see the flooding? Eric Adams, you suck. And it's like, I don't know what he could have done to stop that. Oh, it's also, he's getting blamed for the fact that infrastructure has been in place for however many, probably hundred or hundreds of years. And now we're facing tr- like big global warming ramifications right. that, they're going to keep getting worse. Flooding is going to get worse every year. They have, they should probably start working on some of the stuff now, but yes. you can't blame him today for what happened in, in two days worth of rain. Right. And we're not, nobody is still, the problem with us is we have long-term problems that are now becoming short-term. They're becoming immediate problems. Right. Yes. That we don't, we refuse to sort of change or modify. Like nobody wants to change their, the New York times has a series of articles. This is about the country in general, about like, water out West. Mm-hmm. Um, we might be alive to see some real fucking mad max level shit. Yeah. Um, it's scary because it's like, but people are like, you know, fr- in Texas fracking is using like more water in some of those cities than like the people. Right. And, and, and nobody is like thinking to change this or make any sacrifices. It's just becoming more and more people will just blame people in power. And every year goes by, it'll be like, but we had a chance to, we, we kept, passing the buck. Like we never stopped passing the buck and eventually the buck is going to fucking drown us and, and yeah. melt us. Well, uh, Midwest did, did Flint ever recover? Do we have, do we have a Flint update? Anybody? It was, I remember seeing a, a thing online about how undrinkable the water in Flint was. And I, then I never, I think it's still undrinkable. Yeah. That, that was like a decade ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just never got fixed. Yeah. It's, it's, but, but with, I just see this. I feel like the criticism of big cities, you know, whether it's, you know, my same friend loves talking about, I don't even know if he's ever been to San Francisco, but loves it as a symbol of like yeah, the decay, the, the, the decay and, yeah. and what the Democrats have wrought. Yeah. And I love the fact that the pandemic, this whole thing that was, you know, conveniently uh, totally overblown, meant nothing, total joke to, to a certain segment of the population. That is still the thing that changed everything. And there's, there's yeah. all these, there's all these different factors 
that big cities, everybody still wants to be in a big city. By the way, when my, my building that I used to live in in Midtown, uh, where you live across the street, yes, um, that building in 2020, late 2020, was like 40% vacant. Yeah, Mid, Nice Midtown Manhattan building, 40% vacant. Um, a year later, capacity rents at, at or above pre-pandemic levels, like, like, like it had never had, like, yeah. and it was full. So yep. there is that argument about the city needs to become more affordable, but where's the incentive to, to be honest, are landlords going to make it more affordable because they are, they have a limited supply and a building like mine, which is a good building. It was certainly not, it wasn't a piece of shit building. It's a, it's a nice building, but there's always going to be like full demand for that because there'll be young people want to come to the city. There'll be people with money. There's this limited supply that can always find its demand. There's not JL. And this is actually something that I talked about on my podcast a few months ago. Um, Mike Coscarelli rules currently in hiatus coming back soon. Anyway, um, there is plenty of supply because do you know where there is no demand? It's in the, the corporate world. There are so many office buildings right well, now. I was going to get, I was, I was in the residential space first. Well, but I'm saying re, the, so residential space in New York city is obviously that is limited. Right. But there's the, a whole, there's a, there's a whole vast supply of potential residential real estate that could be convert that these offices could right. be converted. And what, so uh, what is the big complaint with everybody? What in terms of living in New York city, it's space, mm-hmm. right? Isn't that usually what everybody says? Like, oh, you pay this much money and you get like a studio apartment or whatever. Well, what has more space than a fucking floor of a corporate office building? All of these new buildings that are going up that they can't any can't get any businesses to to buy office space because everybody's working remote. How awesome would it be to pay? I pay I'll, full transparency. I pay thirty seven hundred dollars for to live in a one bedroom across from where you used to live in on fifty. I pay Street. less than that to live next near a train in yeah. Jersey for a two bedroom building with a bunch of amenities. Right, and I don't have any of that shit. I live in a fourth floor walk up, and it's it's expensive. I like my apartment. I'm not complaining about where I live. I'm just saying, how awesome would it be to spend thirty seven hundred dollars and be able to get a giant luxury like floor of an office building? It's possible. It's not impossible for that to happen. Yeah, no, that's impossible because nobody's going to be like, like what will happen is we all get used to people. It's like your sal. It's like somebody's salary. The greatest blessing I got in, when I moved to Jersey was I moved to Jersey. We looked for a place that we could split and I could afford on what I thought was my 2019 money, which was part-time legal work, comedy gigs. Okay, good. We're in a place. Then I get my job at the law firm right after that. Doubled, doubled my salary, but I've already signed the lease. So I'm like, Oh good. Right. I'm already living not just within well my below means, your means, well below yes. my means. Then 2020 hits and I make a shit ton of money in the next two years on comedy. And I'm like, if this had all happened before I would have gotten a two bedroom in Long Island city yeah. with a view of the city and be like, ah, what's seven grand a month yeah, right. rent. And right. right now I'd be sitting here going, uh, I'm having a thimble of water and a crumb because that's all I can afford to eat because yeah. all my money's going to rent. We will, I think New York city, like people will eventually adapt to be the most expensive it can be. Now it yeah, wouldn't be course. able to be as expensive, but I think one, the, there's too many contradictions with people. And, and when it comes to different cities, the, the haters of the San Francisco's, Philadelphia's, New York's, uh, they hate liberal prosecutors. They, they don't live in the cities, but they're very concerned about crime in cities they don't live in yeah. when they can exploit it. Yes. That's, they're very concerned with crime when it comes to look at that. Well, you don't live here. Like, let's talk to the residents of Seattle 
And, uh, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. There are going to be people who complain about certain things. It's, it's not perfect, but it's this overblown Fox news hype delivered to the electoral college States that matter. Right. Ohio, you live in a fucking, uh, dump in Ohio and hey, New York is Dave buy it. New York is buy it. You don't, you get New York. And then I remember I did this whole thing on my previous podcast about Oklahoma yeah. and somebody in the governor's race had actually pointed out that the murder rate in New York city was lower than the murder rate in the state of Oklahoma. But the, and, and so, and the governor in the debate was like, oh, that's yeah. Okay. And enough people just have the preconceived notion of like, we Oklahoma. We safe. We babble. Yeah. We got our guns to protect ourselves. You ain't going to do no crime at my house as long as I got my gun. And we pray for people. We go Christians and we, we got, you know, we going to be all right. New York, them at Dana, Dana sinners, they doing violence and rapes all over the place. And then it's like, no, but the data is actually you per capita. You're more dangerous. Yeah. But that ain't make no sense. Then, I mean, I did shoot them fellers came to my, you know, came to my house. They look suspicious and all with their brown skin, but now nah, we don't do crimes now here. And so people have this. So it's like all these big cities, they, they, it's the same people where it's like, oh, COVID was bullshit. So we don't have to credit that as a game changing, epic changing event yeah. to our cities. Right. So San Francisco, you did, did you hear a lot about crime in San Francisco before the pandemic? Um, I, I had some people that, that lived in San Francisco that I knew that the homelessness were, was definitely becoming homelessness a huge, was a big issue. issue. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. was in LA too. My friend lived, um, near like Skid Row. He had a really nice loft apartment, yeah. but he was, and it was like jarring to see, but I think, I mean, I, to be honest with you, JL, I kind of think San Francisco is the, the one bad example for this. Cause I do think that like, I knew a couple of people that worked in tech out there that left primarily because they were just like, it's getting a little, it's not that I don't think that they felt that it was like so dangerous. I do think there were some, like they, there was a, there was a, a law that I, maybe, I mean, you might know this better than I do, but I thought that there was a, a law that they passed that basically kind of, uh, that they weren't going to prosecute petty crime. Is it, did you hear that? I've heard those different things about several cities, but yeah, I only heard about San Francisco, like for where people were saying like all of a sudden, like there were Dwayne Reed's or the equivalent. Oh, I would see that like like, of dudes just walking in. Like you'd see those videos of like with a bag of shit and just like out and just like, yeah, fuck it. Cause they're just not, they're not going to prosecute it, whatever. But like, I think it's a convenient, there are problems in San Francisco, like in a lot of big cities, but I think it was very convenient the timing of it just to sort of hammer it. Like this is a failure of liberal policies. It's like, yeah, well, income inequality is certainly not a liberal policy. It can be a result of, but like you had this, you know, in, in, in certain cities, it was, you know, New York is dealing with sort of a, everybody wants the city to survive. Nobody wants to come to work. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, the city was built for, for over a hundred years to be a business residential district commuter city. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like this idea of like, so you're going to change the, one of the biggest cities in the world, one of the biggest economies in the, in, in the world, um, in like two years. Yeah. It's going to like, Oh, look, it's a piece of shit. Well, I mean, how do you, we don't do anything in this country. That's big. We can't do the climate. We can't do this. What we need to do on climate change. How do you expect one city to just be like, all right, we're going to make a big left turn yeah, right. towards mixed usage housing and corporate buildings. And we're just going to, we're, we're just going to make it happen. Yeah. 
And San Francisco is in, in another way is I think probably what happened was a combination pandemic accelerated things, but I think tech was like an, an economic inequality on steroids. Yes. So r- rental vat, like money, like was just exploding. It was like an oil town times 10. Yes. Where it's like, oh yeah, no, your apartment that was 2,800. It's now 5,900. Like, like you, we have too much money. The market is too rich that like lots of people, you know, then Oakland, like everybody got to move to Oakland and Oakland starts to become like more of a upper middle class. Brooklyn basically. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but it's, and I don't, it's not to say that there aren't problems, but people love to point the problems out. And yes, more right than left love to just point at big cities that they could never afford. I think there's a lot of schadenfreude and, and, and Fox is happy to deliver it. Like, look at all these cities that you secretly wanted to live in, but were too fucking useless and broke to do so. Here's a shot of Delancey street. It's very dangerous. Look, these places suck now. So you're, you should be happy in your fucking strip mall. You fat fuck. And it's, right. and I'm, I'm, I love chain restaurants. I'm, I am, I'm a man of the people, but yeah. I do see this kind of this weaponized jealousy because it's always people who don't like my, my most critical friend of New York city does not live in New York city. Right. Like, but it's like this, it's like porn. It's like class political porn to be like, just even fantasize about, wouldn't it be great if New York failed? Would it, would it be great? The other thing for this country. Yeah. (laughs) The other thing you're right about everything you're saying. The other one bad thing that, that doesn't work in New York's favor when it comes to trying to, not that it matters to convince these people that New York's not like a total fucking cesspool, but I've always said this, the places that you actually enter into New York City from, if you are not, if you're like Bridge and Tunnel, Mm -hmm. like 8th Avenue, uh, right around Port Authority, Penn Station, it's Welcome Avenue to the Jungle. Over there. It's the opening of the Welcome to the Jungle Dude, video. It is. It is such a nightmare. Delancey Street, like I was saying, mm-hmm. by the Williamsburg Bridge. Those specific places really are as bad as they're advertised. Not that it's like so violent. It's just like it's where the craziest people are. Yes. It's so disgusting. Like that. If you just see that strip of New York City. Yeah, you're gonna think you're like, gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. It's just like like when you when you step up, step foot outside. Meanwhile, of Penn you go Station, to Ohio and everybody's a fucking hillbilly opi- <laughs> uh, crashing on opioids, and they're like, "This is the real America." Right. But it's like walk walk three blocks east, and it's just like, "Wow, this is how how much more pleasant is this?" Right. We should you just have I mean? everything enter into like Hudson Yards. Yeah. <laughs> we even yeah right right. Even, oh, you're right. shiny new skyscrapers. Right. This is New York, but. Even here I am on 59th street, right by the park and all these great restaurants and Columbus station. Have you been the Amtrak station in New York? The new, the new Moynihan building. I have like seen. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a, it is for years. Cause I'm a big train guy. Yeah. Um, you know, Hey, Mr. Mr. Great song. Um, that Penn station, it's a pile of shit. And then they built Moynihan and it's like, oh my God, if you arrive by train now and yeah. you enter Moynihan, you're like, what a, what a gorgeous spectacle. This is New York. Yeah, you're you're yeah, greeted yeah. with like the way you should be greeted by a great city. Yeah. Even if you step out two blocks later and, and there's a homeless guy shooting up. Because well, Grand Central's great. Yeah. If you come in off of like the, the uh, Metro North or anything, it's yeah. like Grand Central's beautiful. Yeah. You know, but Penn Station is just such a shithole. Uh, and, and it is kind of like, 
I don't. This like has been JL explaining station. why New York isn't dead. <laughs> Penn Station, a shithole. But but I, let me just summarize this yeah. very quickly, and then we'll move to the last segment. Yeah. But like my my issue in general using New York as an example because New York is not dead. No. New York is not dying. It has too much that people want. Would I prefer that there may be a little more emphasis on some culture and not just uh, you know banks banks and and musicals based off of Marvel movies and whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. I'd like yep. you know things like that. Um, but we talked a little bit like in the manners episode about like just kind of etiquette and things like that. But we have an issue with our criminal justice system. We have an issue with economic inequality and we have an issue with real estate Mm -hmm. and these three, and we have an issue with climate change. And these are four major issues that are going to hit cities hard if we don't correct them. Yeah. But we are also a society that seems to be unwilling. We, we love to complain and bitch and denigrate. But like all these things have solutions, but they will take sort of community and political will and work and, and actual work. work. <laughs> and we are not willing like like when you can tell me that evidence of Eric Adams mismanagement is not handling an unprecedented flood. Yeah. Like you're you're right. you are somebody who is missing the big picture. And we, we have to have people who are going to be fo- just like democracy on an even bigger level. You can't just fix it. They have to be active processes. Correcting the criminal justice system, unfortunately, might involve some petty crime. Now, if irresponsible news organizations want to continue to show that, like it's happening everywhere, every day, all the time, people are going to be repulsed by that. And some of those people are going to want to be repulsed by it because you get me a nice picture of a heavy black woman stealing from a Rite Aid. I'm going to go, that's really hitting me in my sweet spot. And that's not to denigrate that there aren't issues in all these things that are real, but it's like... If the cities go, have your fucking laughs. And the cities aren't going to go. But all you dipshits that think it's fucking hysterical, look at New York City, you're fucking toast. <laughs> like if, if the cities go, you're done because either we're coming to your shit town and raising the, rate, the, the rental and taking over yeah. or everything's going to collapse. Right. And you can fucking sink in your, in your opioid cesspool laughing with your last choked breath. Yeah, right. Poetry. Anyway, guys, New York City, not dying. Uh, Some of the people in New York City definitely are, but New York City will live. um, And I look forward to uh, visiting it because I can no longer afford to live here. Anyway, guys, we'll be right back with our final segment after this quick break. And we're back, guys, for Mike's favorite segment and mine, Comedy Talk. Yay. Wow. Unbelievable. Uh, Guys, the punch down of the week. This is a fun one. I did a video uh, on YouTube where I tend to do those things about um, Donald Trump being very annoyed at being uh, given a gag order by, by the judge in his New York civil case. And a running joke for me is I have Trump refer to Letitia James, the attorney general, as... Uh, Attorney General LeBron James. And I said that multiple times in the video. And somebody was kind enough to say, dude, LeBron is a basketball player. I think you mean Letitia James. (laughs) And Mr. Dino 1953. Once again, that's my, you know, that's a 70 year old. That's, those are my people. (laughs) Those are my, those are my audience. (laughs) Mr. Dino 1953 comes in and goes, he knows that. It's called comedy. 
Yes. Oh. Yes. Thank you. It's that's when it feels good when you don't have to do your own dirty work. Yeah. When your fans will do it for you. So Mr. Dino 1953, you don't get the punch down of the week, but you get the assist of the week, nice. a new category, which I'll never do again, but you get the assist and dude, LeBron is a basketball player. You're the punch down of the week. How could you? Yeah. How, what do you watch? If you don't think that I know that, like there's certain things where I go, but how can you be a fan of mine? If you don't think I know that, like, then I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah. If, if you don't get that, I get that. So Punch Now of the Week. And then your comedy recommendation. It's a book, Mike. It's a book this week. It's not a comedy special. The book is called Misfit. It's by one of my favorite comedians of all time, Gary Gullman. Mm. Uh, it's a wonderful exploration of his uh, his high his his for kindergarten through through 12th grade. Great memoir. Seems almost tailor-made to be made into like a Hulu or an ABC show, but it's really funny. Highly recommend it. And what I will say, um, and of course, like so many things in comedy, there's part of it is like I relate to, which makes me obviously like it more because then it makes me think of me. Um, he reminds me so much of me in so many ways in this book. Like we're both very tall. We're, mm -hmm. we're, we're readers. We, we, we're, we're sort of in many ways, gentle giants, but, but he, he, he's so funny, but the book, what I realized is what, what, Goldman has mastered in addition to being just a terrific comedian is he's likable. He's a likable guy. And, and as you're reading it, you're like, Oh, and in, in like elementary school, he was like a wisecracker, sarcastic. And, and so was I. And it's like, he kind of grew out of that and learned like, Hey, you know, like, don't be such a dick. He starts making friends. He's, but he's, a, there's so many funny stories. I don't want to spoil anything. I just highly recommend it. Anybody who likes memoirs or, or comedians or, or just, it's if you like my stuff, you will love this book. He, but what I realized reading it is I go, oh, that's the difference between me and him. He grew out of his dick phase, <laughs> and I—that's where this was going. I grew into it. Like I only got more <laughs> rolls of rolling my eyes. Yeah. Like Jesus, are you fucking kidding me? Like yeah. he was like that in fourth grade. Yeah, and he put it together, and me, I only got more like that. And I thought maybe that's the key. So, so if you want to read like an alternative history, like in a multiverse, a JL multiverse where a tall, well-read future college athlete who becomes a good comedian, great comedian. If you want to read the multiverse account of what it would be like, maybe if JL succeeded misfit by Gary Goldman, I think that would be a, a good. So if you, if you're tired of hearing me be negative and Debbie Downer, this is like the multiverse. This is like the happy JL timeline uh, where he grows out of being a dick into a great comedian with success. So Misfit by Gary Goleman. That's your recommendation for the week. Thank you for listening. Come visit a big city. Uh, you know, bring a lot of money. <laughs> um, maybe a, don't bring a firearm, but bring a lot of money and you'll have a nice time. Uh, New York City is not dead, but my career is. So thank, thank you, everybody. For being here, you can, uh, I don't know where you can find me, probably Salt Lake City. This week, you can, I'm in Salt Lake City on the 28th. So, so come to that show, all my Utah fans and uh, blah, blah, blah. My Patreon, my all this, go to jlcomedy.com. You find everything I do, support it in some way, and I will see you next Thursday.